Yes, it's the place to be for all things franchising. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Today's topic is Retail Leasing Secrets Exposed, a Q&A. As you know, we're committed to making sure that everyone who listens to our radio shows is informed about a whole range of relevant topics, including, obviously, retail leasing, critically important. So it's great to be with you. I'm pretty excited because we've got a guest I'm really delighted to have. He's an occasional visitor to our studio. And a quick reminder to you all to have a pen and paper ready because I'm sure you want to make some notes. And I suspect you want to replay this because there are some gems going to come to coming up, I know. So for our members, remember this radio show, as with all of them, will be in your members' vault. So today, Philip Chapman, I'm saying hello to you. He's one of Australia's leading retail shop lease advocates. Over 30 years' experience in retailing across the spectrum, shopping centre marketing, centre management, a whole range of things. He's had numerous roles, serious uh, executive roles, operations and state managers for retail chains. He was he's also been very involved with a number of the large organisations, retailer organisations, such as the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, Australian Retailers Association, the Franchise Council, and Restaurant Arcades Association, the list goes on. He's a certified uh, shopping manager, Australia member, and a very strong advocate for all aspects in regard to leasing. He's often called upon to present to forums and conferences and gets involved in all sorts of conversations, discussions about renewals, lease options, market rentals, and all the day-to-day issues that come up. So consequently, today we've got a a session I think you're going to enjoy. Philip and his team at Lease One are very dedicated to what they do, I can assure you, and they've got vast industry knowledge. And what impresses me is the amount of savings that he finds for his clients. So I think your ears should pick up on this one because well over $20 million a year in lease savings for retailers. So it really, uh, really has an impact, which is what we're looking for. So hello there, Philip. Lovely to talk to you again. Thank you, Brian. Always a pleasure. And thanks again for the, the intro. Just to make sure I can uh, squash down my head after all these questions to get out the door. Thank you. Uh, Well, it's great to speak to someone with so much credibility, if you like, and so much experience on the coal face or on the retail face. So Q&As that I'm going to run through, very simple. I've got some here that have been given to me over a period of time, some that have occurred to me from my experience. So let's fire into these and see how we go. So first of all, a comment that I've heard is, from people. I spoke to my landlord, they've made an agreement with me, they can't renege on their word, can they? Oh, this is a popular one, Brian, and wonder, no wonder it's at the top of the list. Look, they can, because until such time, and, and entering into a retail shop lease is, is a layer cake of documentation and processes, but until such time as they actually, the lease is signed by both parties and executed, and furthermore, even in some states and territories, when it's registered, is when a deal is done. So you'll find a lot of documentation on the way or discussions or disclosures as a deal progresses. It may be subject to board approval, subject to final landlord's approval, etc. And same may be for a lessee or a retailer group. But if you have an agreement or a handshake, unfortunately, in this day and age, until a lease is signed and sealed, the terms can change. So they can, for want of a better word, renege or, or go back and revisit those specific terms. So the short answer is a deal's not a deal until the lease is signed and the ink's dry, so to speak. Right. So you can't be too sure. Okay, fine. So and the other one is, is options. Always interesting. So if my lease has got an option for a further term, the question is, I don't need to worry about expiry, do I? They'll send me a letter, question mark. 
Oh, Brian, we get phone calls every week in regards to, to lease options. And you know, we need to make it very clear out there for all the listeners is that an option is a right, the lessee's right to a further term of the landlord's land. So it's, it's your right over someone else's land, but it's, it's only your right if you take that right up. And even though in some states and territories, the lessor, the landlord is required to send you a reminder, you still have to go and exercise the option effectively. And that means that you've got to follow the letter of the lease in relation to notice periods. A lot of leases, majority will say no sooner than six months, but no later than three months prior to the expiry of the lease that you are to provide the landlord with a notice. In your lease too, you need to just check that there will be notice clauses which tell you how to transmit or communicate that notice. And it may be by registered post, maybe acceptable by fax, it may be hand-delivered, it may be by email. But you need to go back and look through your lease. Don't take an, a lease expiry for granted. It's a very serious value add to your business. It is your right, and if you don't treat that right with respect, it'll vaporise very, very quickly, and you'll lose, you could just lose your business, as is the case with many people we've seen over the, the past 20 years or so. So please do worry about your, your expiry. Please do worry about your option and take them seriously. Right. I remember you reiterating to me on one occasion that you really need to diarise it and probably get your PA to diarise it as well, just to make sure you're reminded because it, as you say, it's critical. It adds to the value of your business enormously. Now, the other thing, thing that's contentious from time to time is that of when refurbishments, in fact, park demolitions, redevelopments of shopping centres occur in the duration of your lease. So, the question is, can the landlord relocate my business anywhere in the shopping centre? Uh, this is not just exclusively when there's renovations, obviously, but that's one of the occasions it happens. Oh, by all means, Brian. But the first answer is, if, if there's a relocation clause in the lease, can they relocate, the specifics of the question, can they relocate you anywhere in the centre? The short answer is no. When the relocation clauses under the majority of uh, legislation in each state and territory will specify that it must be similar premises, and what we mean by similar premises, it must be similar by size. It must always must be similar as well by aspect. Does it have the same frontage? Does it have the same perspective? For instance, if it was a newsagent and you were two doors up from the major supermarket and they want to relocate you down to a mall that has no supermarket, that is not similar premises. It's got to be similar to give you a similar business and, and trading opportunity. So they can't just put you anywhere. If they do try to do that, it does raise cause under the respective Retail Shop Leases Act to raise a dispute. And there are mechanisms there to, to mediate and to resolve those. But by all means, they can't just pick you up and put you anywhere. It's got to be quite considered and you do have considerable rights as to where that location will be. Okay. Now, if the landlord does something that affects my sales, and I'm thinking, for example, they may put a, a pop-up stand outside your retail premises which sort of divides the, the, the shoppers when they're walking past the premises or something of that nature, can you seek compensation from the landlord? Oh, I think there's probably two questions laced in one there, Brian, yeah. in relation to... <laughs> with the pop-ups, there is what's called the Casual Mall Leasing Code of Conduct, which has just been ratified again for another three-year period with the ACCC, but with some certain terms and conditions in relation to expanding the definitions in there and the rights of retailers when the pop-ups are put in their uh, line of sight, so to speak. So mm -hmm. I'd uh, refer uh, listeners to go and have a look at that or certainly get in touch with us if they have that situation. But I think the question, the main question here, the target question is in relation to if the landlord affects your sales in some way. Mm. Perhaps if we 
drive back to the relocation where there's a, perhaps a redevelopment and they close a car park or an entrance or you know, they do something that can physically affect the flow or potential flow of customers or traffic to your premises. Yes, you can be compensated for that. What you need to do, though, is, is when a situation like that begins, first of all, you need to look at your record keeping very clearly. You need to keep very good daily records of how you're performing, what, uh, what effect it's having. You have to evidence that effect. And you should also have a very clear and concise lines of communication and copies of that communication to the landlord, centre management, managing agent, etc. on the way. And that will support you when you go for your compensation claim. And once again, it'll be under a section written within the respective legislation in your state or territory. But yes, most definitely, if the landlord does something that affects the potential traffic flow or potential customers to your store, there is a, an area there where you can be compensated. But once right. again, devil in the detail, make sure we keep very mm. good records. Yeah, and of course, there are a number of examples where these sorts of things may happen. And we may have already covered this in part in our conversation with one of my earlier questions. But if the landlord notifies you that they're redeveloping and they actually going to invoke the demolition clause, can you be compensated for that? Okay, well, there's quite often, Brian, the uh, uh, question of relocation and demolition are uh, misinterpreted as one. They are very, very separate. Under a relocation, as we discussed before, if they actually do move you to a similar premises that you agree to and, is, and they get evidence that it's, it's the same business opportunity, the costs of that move, you are to be compensated. The costs of the fit out, uh, the labour, extra labour, all those types of things. When it comes to demolition, though, there's very loose uh, laws and fairly grey areas around the country in relation to legislation. As a whole, but if a lease does have a demolition clause in it, and it must specifically have that clause in there, the compensation there is very limited and quite often is only limited to the written down value of your fit out. So if someone has a demolition clause in their lease, they should look at that business risk very, very closely. They should be very, very careful and meted and uh, considered when it comes to reinvestment, uh, perhaps at a renewal, if such a clause is in there for uh, refurbishments, refits, or overcapitalising on, on an opportunity that has some risk around that opportunity for the landlord to redevelop and demolish. Because essentially what happens is with that clause, they say that they need your premises back to proceed to demolish to deliver the redevelopment or reconfiguration, and they're not offering you alternative premises. So you should look closely at demolition clauses. They are right. a very big bone of contention out there. Mm, yeah, understandably. So, again, another similar question to one that's been posed in part before. So, just to clarify this point, because it is so important, if I've got a signed lease, is that the end of the story? How secure am I, etc.? First of all, it is a contract. And, and effectively, if you can sort of grab the analogy that you're not leasing space so much as you're leasing time, and that your lease is somewhat like a marriage certificate. It, it just happens to have the divorce already packaged in. So to just say, have I signed the lease is at the end of the story? Well, the end of the story is already known. The end of the story will be the end of the lease and what happens there, there's the make good, etc. But along the way, there's so many elements and, and events that can happen to one, influence your outcomes and also to influence the, the landlord's outcomes. So majority of people will sign their lease and say, well, that was a process I don't want to repeat again. It was tough and it was emotional. And the lease goes in the bottom drawer or it sits with the solicitor. They probably don't even realise where the executed copy might be. And it think it's set and forget. A lease has many events throughout a year. 
not just uh, mention small ones like the annual rent reviews. There will be outgoings audits. There will be outgoings estimates. There, there could be the certificates of currency have to be renewed. There may be marketing plans that have to be done. There may be audits of sales or monthly reporting of sales, etc. There's a lot of elements within a, a lease year that uh, you have to react and that can influence your outcomes. So just set and forget. I really promote that you should get your lease out about every six months. Reread it. It may sound boring, but you know, as you get to be more and more familiar with it, you'll understand that there are trigger points inside there that you need to understand. Particularly when you've got options, you're taking clear note of those specific time frames. And the other one too is most people who leave the lease in the bottom of the drawer, the ones we get the phone call where they say, my lease expires in uh, next month and I haven't heard from the landlord. <laughs> when really in most states and territories, you, you actually have some rights there to write to the landlord 12 months prior to find out if they're going to offer you new terms. So at least you've leveraged time to one, get a better deal or put forward your opportunity to negotiate without the constraints of urgent deadlines, but also too, if you're not getting a new lease, to be able to deal with the business and move it yourself. So you need to really don't, a lease is not set and forget. It is a, is a living document. It's a living contract. And just like a marriage certificate, you somewhere on the line, there is a divorce over the horizon and you need to remember that you've got to fall in love again on the way if you're going to renew it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the analogy. So what we're saying is there's a good case for number one, writing probably in another sheet you put inside the lease document, a list of the, of the pertinent points which are, occur over the course of a year or the term of the lease. And also I suppose in using the good old post-it notes and putting those into the lease document so you can identify stuff fairly quickly when you're having a quick look through. Yeah, okay. and Brian. Sometimes I've been as blunt as got a, uh, a large uh, felt pen or a text or whatever you call it, and written and gone to the back of the door of the office in the shop and written down their expiry date and their option renewal date in large numbers. So, you know, <laughs> whatever reminders you need to give yourself and how you set that up, we have a system where we do that for retailers, but most you know, people want to do it themselves. And if they do leave their lease with their solicitor or lawyer, etc., or their account, leave them with clear instructions that their mm. office is to pull that lease out at least every year and discuss it with you. you know? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but self-management's important, those key dates, I think, you're, you're right. You, at the end of the day, it's your business and, you know, staff change in accountants and lawyers and people go on holidays and so on. So another question is, do rents only go up at renewal time? Well, I would say majority of leases, particularly retail leases, it would be a very slim, it would be less than 1% that don't have an annual rent review geared into them already. Rents are ratcheting all the time, whether it be CPI, CPI plus one, a fixed percentage, three and a half, four, five percent in some of the larger centres. So annual rent reviews are very common and are the norm. At a lease renewal, as opposed to an option, which majority of the time would have a market rent review, it's a completely separate process. At lease renewals, it is an open market negotiation between the parties. So at that time, the landlord can say, look, I want double the rent and there's nothing you can do about it except to be you know, putting your best foot forward and negotiating the best deal you possibly can or not entering into the renewal. So do rents go up other than outside of renewals? Yes, they do. But you find that the major escalations happen at renewals because people, one, don't put time on their side, they're not researched, and they don't have their numbers, they're not prepared. So would it be fair to say then, I mean, really, the ball's lying at the landlord's feet and they can set the rent at anything they like. There's nothing from fair trading or the ACCC or any of the various bits of legislation out there that's to stop them asking for any figure under the sun. At the lease renewal, when there's a natural expiry, that's right, Brian, and I, one of our analogies, we're never going to take the word Lord out of landlord, and nor will any legislation or government do that either. 
So, you know, we must treat a lease expiry which and a renewal as a very, very important process where as a retailer or lessee, you're, you're hugely exposed to that outcome. Your livelihood's on the line. So leaving it till the last minute to put everything on the line is like going all in at a game of cards. So I think we should try and steer away from that. Another one I say is it's like going to a uh, gunfight with a rubber chicken. So, (laughs) So can you outline for us then, just to give a little bit of clarity, how a market rent review actually works? Oh, by all means. And, and there's a bit of a myth about this. I'm actually doing a presentation for the Australian Property Valuers Association next month to give them a perspective on the myths and misconceptions that retailers have as to the process, usually at an option, or they may be on a long-term lease, a mid-term, what's called a mid-term market review, where the rent can be reviewed to the market, which can go up or can go down. And I must be clear about that. There are many, many instances where it does go down. Where the parties are invited in the first to negotiate the outcome, and agree. If if the parties can't agree, then either party can go to the chief executive, the registrar, the small business commissioner, the respective head of the retail shop leases in their particular state or territory, and ask that the rent be determined by a specialist retail valuer. The retail valuer will nominate themselves as not having any peculiar interest to either party. They'll nominate their fees, which will be shared 50% with each party. They'll nominate the timeframes that they require to exchange information. And they will seek to receive from the lessee and the landlord a submission from them on what they believe the rent should be and why. So you're effectively putting together a report with some substance behind it, with comparables and market data to the valuer as to your position on rent. And it is that process there where most retailers find most daunting because they're unprepared for that. And you usually find that when they see the one, the fees of the valuer, two, the process of having to, to go off and do the research and apply themselves to do a submission, that they end up agreeing to an, a rent which they would normally have not have agreed to. So it is quite a daunting process for some, for a lot. And you need, to, again, to be well-researched. You need to put time on your side to be prepared. Need to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm. So another point. Let's say in a situation my premises lease uh, for my retail business is about to expire in a few weeks' time, and the landlord, when I speak to him, says he's found another tenant, and that's it. He's made his decision. I've got to be out by no later than my expiry date. Is, Is that all the notice that he has to give me? Look, it's very close, actually. It's it's not a lot of notice, period. And this is where this, I always get back to harping on leveraging time and and getting in early on these processes. But the, the landlord obligation to you is to give you one full clear calendar month's notice. Now, an example of that would be if your lease expired on the 15th of February coming up, for you to be vacated by the 15th of February there, the landlord has to give you a full clear calendar month's notice. They would have had to give you notice by the 31st of December. 2017. Ah. So when we say a full clear calendar month, it's not the 15th of January through the 15th of February. It is the f- there must be a full month from the first day of the month to the last day of that calendar month notice. So depending on where your lease lies and the notice period that they give, your notice period may be four weeks, it may be six weeks or seven weeks. So where your lease expires on the end of the month, then you'll find that the first day of the next month is the next day. If a landlord was to give you, they would have to give you notice on the 30th or 31st, the last day of the previous month, to give you a full clear month's notice to get out. At the latest. I'm with you. That's right. Okay. All right. That's an interesting one. So if it comes to this business, I mean, you know, you've got the premises, you suffer some damage. So let's say, you know, 
you're in a shop, you get a leak, you get some water damage through the leak in the roof or whatever it might be, or the plumbing, doesn't matter. But it's not something of your fault. It's not something you, uh, you caused. What's the situation with regards to that? Oh, look, there's plenty of grey areas out here with this one, particularly with continual leaks. But just say there is an incident, it's a storm, the gutters overflow and water penetrates the shop through the ceilings, through the ceiling tiles and light fittings. The retailer is responsible from the ceiling panel down and the landlord's responsible from the ceiling tile up. So what that means is you're looking at insurable events. So in, under your industrial special risk insurance, your business insurance cover, you should be covering yourself for those particular outcomes where you have to ensure to say that if, if there is disruption through storm tempest or water coming into the premises or under the doors through flood water, that you are insured for that event. The fact that the landlord's roof leaked may be just that there was such a large storm that the gutters overflowed. It was something that was outside of their normal control. I do then follow on with that and say that where there is continual water leaks, where the roof membrane is is old, it's rusted through. Every time it rains, it leaks, and it leaks in that same spot. It comes in, you've got to move. The, the, the retailers to the point where they actually go and move their stock when they see a storm cloud because it's coming in. That gets towards a compensation area where the landlord's not maintaining the building so that the premises are fit for occupation. And that brings cause to raising a dispute under the retail shop lease legislation in your state and territory. But be very clear, though, that you, know, you should still be insured for those events but at some stage, if it's a continual occurrence whereby there is a lack of maintenance or that the building isn't meeting the code, et cetera, then that becomes a, a natural dispute issue. Right. So, so if it's a one-off, a major storm, catastrophic storm, and the, and the gutters overflow, how would that be treated? Once again, what you would simply do is make a claim against your own insurance. The landlord will claim against their own insurance, and away you would go. And, you know, if you can't trade then your insurance should cover the fact that you can't trade so you can still pay wages and cover yourself to replace your stock, your fixtures and fittings and all those things so that you can get back and the premises can be rectified, your damage can be rectified and you can be back in business as quickly as possible. And a lot of landlords insist that you have that insurance because they want you back in business pretty quickly to pay your rent. Now, while you can't pay rent because of the damage, the landlord should also have respective insurance to say that any losses they incur, one, to repair any damage from the building's perspective, but also to any losses they incur from a lack of rents, et cetera, or income to the property, they should have insurance to cover that. So effectively, the two insurance companies will work it out from there. And I'm with you. they go. Okay. So it's a responsibility for each party to have themselves insured for business interruption. The landlord's business is of owning property, uh, which, which derives an income from rent. Your business is uh, merchandising, you know, retail stock. So you just need to ensure all those processes and all those items that you require to carry on your business. Right, okay. So let's say you have one of those sorts of events or any other circumstance. So you're short of cash flow, you can't afford to pay the rent. And the landlord says, right, give me your profit and loss so that I can see clearly that you can't pay the rent. Is that something you're obliged to do? Oh, no. Yeah, no, not obliged at all. But nor is the landlord obliged to have a look at the rent or consider a rent abatement or assistance. So what we're seeking to do there is amend or certainly change a contract. And to do that, you need to have two willing parties. Now, if there's an issue that you know a competitor came in down the road, it's no fault of yours, it's no fault of the landlord's. However, there's a relationship where they still want to maintain. Sitting down with the landlord and say, look, my sales have dropped by this. And they'll say, well, that's market forces. That's nothing to do with the landlord. That's a, a natural business risk. And if you say, well, you know, we're going to be unpro- we're trading unprofitably, 
it's reasonable then if you're seeking for the landlord to amend the contract to reduce their income that you evidence that and that's only reasonable and they're reasonable requests and when reasonable people sit down with a reasonable request and the figures support it you know more than 50% of the time, the figure is much higher, but more than 50% of the time, you'll find that landlords will be open to assisting, particularly if you've got a strong relationship and you've maintained that relationship over the years. But if you're the, the retailer who's constantly late with their rent, doesn't pack down the cartons in the back of the shop, creates a mess, etc., and is always complaining, and something happens in the marketplace and you need some help from your landlord, you might find that the door's jammed shut. So... <laughs> I just preface that, but asking for your profit and loss is only, it's entirely up to you. It's not mandatory, but also the landlord has no obligation to assist you. So it's in your interest to sit down and be open book with them if you're asking them to assist you financially. Yeah, so if you've got a legitimate claim, you know, what do you stand to lose by really, I suppose, disclosing to them the evidence to give them the case? Yeah, as you say, and as you've made the point several times through this conversation, you know, maintaining that relationship ongoing with the landlord or their manager or their agent is so critically important. It's just, just like any relationship, isn't it? If you, if you have a nod and a coffee every now and again, if you've got an issue, then you can raise it and you've got much more likelihood of getting a decent outcome from it. So what I might do, sorry, did you want to say something there? No, Brian, I was just going to say that you're dead right. Just building that relationship, a cup of coffee here. You don't have to like the people. You don't have to send them Christmas cards or invite them for dinner. But, you know, if the gardens or toilets are filthy, let them know. But when they're cleaned up again or, or someone's done some work uh, or they've repainted something, ring them up and say, hey, that looks good. If you're going to be late with your rent, ring them first. Don't be them chasing you. Ring them and say, listen, I've got a bit of cash flow, but I'm, I'm going to be a couple of days late or a week late. I uh, just want to let you know. Allow them to work with you. Pick up the phone. If you just stick your head in the sand you're going to agitate and aggravate the landlord who's really essentially one of the business partners or part of your supply chain that you really need to have working with you, not against you. So can't emphasize that enough. So it's, it's like all relationships, really. It's maintaining that, that contact and not having your head in the sand in order that you can always pop a question if something pops up. Now, I've actually exhausted my questions here, but I wonder in the course of our conversation whether there's anything else that you'd like to ask or add, Philip, to our conversation to the questions that we've been through. Oh, look, just a few general tips that I like to give it, you know, whenever I'm doing my workshops and seminars and, and conferences around the country is, you know, people are often asking, you know, doing research or understanding how they're trading and, and what, they're, what they're doing. There's a few quick tips and tricks. And one of them is outside of, outside of obviously leveraging time, you know, they should be researching, they're getting ready for their lease renewal 18 months out and, and, and being prepared for that negotiation and resourced. When I say resourced, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about their own time. So they've got to be prepared to take themselves out of the business to spend on that particular lease event. And if they can't, they need to get some support. But one of the best tricks out there, particularly if you're in a small shopping centre, a neighbourhood shopping centre, et cetera, and even some of the large ones, is to understand how your market is working for you, is go and grab your local supermarket or major store manager, uh, strike up a conversation with them, and once every month, couple of months, go and have a cup of coffee with them and ask them a couple of quick questions at that cup of coffee is, What's your average basket size and how many customers are you serving a week? Now, if you multiply those two figures together, you'll get a quick average of how much that store turns over a week. Multiply by 52, you've got that for a year. It's a pretty close figure. And do that every few months. You can see how they're trending and you can then gauge how your business is trending against theirs. If they're in growth and you're not, then you need to ask some questions about your business and start digging a bit deeper. If they're in decline and you're not, 
you're doing something better than they are. If you're in decline, they're in decline. Well, maybe there's opportunities for you to work together to build business back up. But those people building a relationship with them, because those two questions answered are just so valuable when you need to start researching what rent you should be paying, what turnover you should be doing, and how you can benchmark yourself and see how you're trending. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you for that, uh, that added value there. So it, it's been great catching up again. Delightful to have a chat with you, Philip. Really enjoyed that. Indebted to you for sharing so much of your time and also your, your knowledge. It's been a privilege to have you along for a chat. If people would like to learn a bit more about Lease One, or maybe you've got some information you may have available, is uh, where should they go? What, what perhaps could you uh, be in a position to offer to our, our listeners? Oh, look, thanks, Brian. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you too. And, you know, from our, from our last session, we had a few calls, which was great to help people out. A couple of things we can do for, for all the listeners as a special and because of your good show is, first of all, if they go to our website, uh, one and use the numeral1.com.au, first of all, you go down to the bottom and you can go and get a copy of our book. It's a free ebook and it's called the Retail Lease Digest and it's a dictionary with a lot of useful tips and formulas, etc., in relation to everything around retail shop leases and understanding them and certain some formulas there in relation to how they can measure occupancy costs, etc. The other one we've got on our website now, and we just introduced it before Christmas, is that they can actually go in there and book a call with me direct. It goes straight into my calendar, and they can pick a time that suits them, and it'll be my available times will be listed there, and it goes straight into their calendar as well. And I'm happy to have a 15, 20-minute chat with anybody uh, in relation to retail shop leases and assist them there free of charge. So... Happy, for them, happy to offer that and as I say, you know, I'd rather people get this information than be out there stubbing their toe or, you know, God forbid, missing out on an option or, or a lease renewal when it was they just needed some guidance. Okay, so it's leaseone.com.au. We've been talking to Philip Chapman. If you're unable to or can't recall the details to contact Philip, contact me, Brian Keane at Franchise Simply. You can do that through the website or email Brian at Franchise Simply or you can ring me, one 960 136. That's 1300 So signing off, thanking Philip very much. I'm sure you'll join me in giving a round of applause and look forward to speaking to you next time that we have a Franchise Radio Show interview.